So we're going to be talking about discipline today, and I thought I'd just start with kind of sharing a little bit about um, kind of where I started with all of this. So my some of you know, but for those of you who don't know, I have uh, um, four kids. So I have a 14-year-old girl, a 13-year-old girl, um, a 10-year-old boy, and a 7-year-old girl. So been on this parenting journey for a long time and have, you know, talked to a lot of wise mentors, read a lot of books, and I was kind of one of those parents early on who just wanted to know everything and all the philosophies and theories out there. And I think it, it was good in some ways, and in other ways it was challenging because, you know, you read something on one end of the spectrum, and you might read a totally different idea on the other side of the spectrum, and that can leave one very confused, right? Like, well, what am I supposed to do when someone tells me to do this? And the other person says, don't do that. And um, so early on in the Christian community that I was living in at that point, it was in Colorado Springs, but um, I think the kind of ideas or the things that were emphasized to me at that time was a little bit more based on behavior, like okay, if your child has a certain behavior, then you need to immediately figure out how to give a consequence or a punishment based on that behavior. And although I think behavior is really important, um, obviously we have to have, our kids need to behave right for us to have a semblance of um, just peacefulness in our house, right? But it's kind of how we get to that point that is going to be a big part of our discussion today. And so I'm really grateful for several older, wiser Um, women in my life who came alongside me as I was struggling through all of this to say, Holly, here's some people that I would recommend you looking into reading who could help guide you and give you some practical ideas of how to really connect with your child and how you can redirect them. And so that's kind of the basis for what we're going to talk about today. And I want to say that this has been a long journey for me and me standing up here does not mean that I always do it right by any means. Um, I'm definitely still learning and growing, but what I'm going to share today has been really, really helpful for our family, and so I'm hoping that some of it will be helpful for you. It's certainly not the only way, but I just wanted to take the opportunity to share with you what I've learned and what's been really, really helpful. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is rooted in research um, by Dan Siegel. Have any of you heard of him? Um, He wrote a book called No Drama Discipline and the Whole Brain Child. Okay, maybe a couple of you. Um, So if you've you've read either of those books, this will all sound pretty familiar to you. But Dan, um, he's a medical doctor and then ended up going into psychiatry and um, going into, uh, he did his postgraduate education at UCLA and became a child psychiatrist. And he works with adults as well, but does a lot of brain research. So what, I'm, what I've tried to do in my walk with all of this is to really integrate my faith and with a theological foundation kind of into his material. So my goal today is going to be to try to kind of integrate these two things together because he doesn't really bring faith into his material, but it's all very practical. But when I read it, I go, this is, this is really how, what I perceive God would have, how God would have us to, to be with our children. So we want to understand the relationship, I think, between brain development and behavior. And when we can kind of bring these two things together, I think it can really guide us in our journey. So, but before we get into the brain part of things, I want us to think about what is really our goal with parenting? And you've probably heard me say this before, but I think one of the main goals is when we think about our children leaving the home, we want them to 
love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We want them to love others as they love themselves. That's what we want for ourselves, right? As we keep growing into a disciple of Christ, and we want that for our kids. Um, and we, you know, we pray that our kids will 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 do this their whole lives, right? Um, but I think discipline is a big part of how how we can do this, right? And um, Another scripture that comes, so that was Mark 12, 30 through 31. And another scripture that comes to mind is, I'm going to pull this up here a little bit. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we think about provoking our children to anger. What kind of things do we think of? Um, I think part of it might come from what kind of expectations that we have of them uh, at certain ages. And we could really do a whole talk on child development, which I just don't have time to get into all that. But if you guys are interested, we could maybe do a whole talk on that at some point. Um, But I think sometimes we expect things of our kids that are way beyond what they developmentally can do, right? I've definitely been there, especially with my my first child. I was thinking, oh, she certainly can, you know, she's a toddler. I'm just going to put her to bed and, you know, tuck her in and read her book and say goodnight. And she's like, bye, mom. You know, no, that did not happen. She did not, she did not want to stay in her bed. And I kind of had this expectation that she's old enough and she should be able to do it. And some kids do and they will, but there are others who maybe they just need more from us. And so in a sense, I'm kind of provoking her to to disobey by not giving her any of what she needs, anything that she needs. Um, so one of the things that Dan Siegel says that I think has been really helpful as a general way to think about development without going into the specifics of every stage is to think, okay, what can my child do reasonably well with my help? And that I can come alongside them and they can still kind of accomplish it. If they, if they can do something reasonably well with my assistance, then it's probably something that I can encourage them or help them to do or continue to grow. And if I'm, you know, telling them to, when they're one, like, go get in your car seat, get buckled in and sit there and wait for me till I come, like, probably not, right? Um, so anyway, that's been helpful for me to kind of just have a, just a general idea without knowing all the facets of each stage of development. Um, I think it's probably not a reasonable expectation to think that our that a baby who's crawling, you know, we can tell them, you know, don't touch that vase, and they're gonna understand what we're saying and not do it, and um, you know, they're gonna if we physically, you know, if we smack them on the hand or something, they're gonna cry, and they're just not really at the age where they can really understand that that's not appropriate thing to do, right? So things like that. Um, so we don't want to, prov- there's no need to provoke them to anger. So let's think about, uh, what do you, th- I'm curious, when you hear the word discipline, maybe just a couple of you could tell me, like, what, what do you, th- what it comes to mind when you hear the word discipline, or what do you think it means? Correction. Somebody said correction. Mm-hmm. Redirecting. Mm-hmm. Training. Yep. Punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can, so I think we probably all have, we might have our own sort of idea of what it is. We might know, well, I know other people might interpret the word this way. So I think there's anything from the spectrum of, um, to thinking it's punishment and correction to training, uh, to, on the, to the training end and teaching, right? Well, discipline actually comes from the word disciple. I'm sure some of you have probably heard that, that. And a disciple, as we are, as our kids are, are learners. So if our kids are meant to be learners, then a part of our 
parenting journey, a part of that role of us for us as a parent is to teach them. So that's the part we're really going to emphasize today is that our kids really, they're, they're made to learn and want to grow, and part of our role is to teach them. So, but we know that training and teaching is ongoing, right? It's not really realistic for us to tell our kids something once and think that they're going to do it, right? It's, they're just, they're little and their brains are developing. Or even for us, when we learn something new, do, like what I'm saying today, are you going to be able to repeat and remember everything I'm saying? No, it's just, it's not realistic for children. We have to keep telling them and telling them and telling them. Now, of course, I'm not saying they're never disobedient or especially as they get older, they don't ever just do something and disregard what we're saying. But I think especially when they're little, it just does take a lot of teaching and teaching and training. And so there is this part of us that um, has to figure out how to, that willingness and sacrifice on our part to keep teaching and teaching the same things over and over again. So we could train a, a baby toddler like we would a dog, right? We could kind of yell and scream or threaten to get them to do what we want them to do, and they'll do it often, right? Maybe not all kids. Maybe some kids will just keep doing it, but a lot of kids will respond to sort of a punishment-based way of being. They'll respond to your intensity. Um, So you may be able to get what you want through doing that, um, but will it really teach them anything in the end? Um, Research, a lot of research shows that giving a consequence, especially a hard-lined one or something, um, punishment or physical, will get you what you want, but it just won't, it doesn't teach them anything. It doesn't teach them to have that self-regulation at all that we really want our kids to eventually be able to have. So for you, it makes you happy as a parent. You have a vision of what you want. You do what you need to do to get that response, Um, but your child may be doing it out of fear of you and not or just out of fear of, I don't want that punishment again, and so I'm going to listen, I'm going to do it, but they're not really internalizing any of the concept, or they're not really learning anything um, out of that situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So, for example, I know I could tell my five-year-old, okay, you can go outside, it's kind of muddy, so when you come in the house, don't, um, don't wear your boots in the house, don't track mud all over the place, and, you know, he might go out, he might totally forget, come in and do that. And then I can, you know, I can yell at him and say, you know, don't you ever do that again? Why didn't you listen to me? You know, on and on. And he might get upset and scared. And maybe next time he would remember, maybe he won't, but he's not really learning anything about responsibility or um, why that that might not be helpful for the family or how it impacts me or others. So, um, in No Drama Discipline by Dan Siegel, and that's where I'm going to be taking a lot of this information today, and he also, I'm going to show it to you, he also wrote this with um, Tina Payne Bryson, and I just highly, highly recommend this book, especially if, I mean, I think it'll be helpful for any stage of parenting, but um, especially if your kids are young, there's tons of examples of, like, well, you know, maybe this isn't the greatest way to say it, but here's an idea of how you could say something. Just so many practical ideas. Because I don't know about you, but I think often we might hear of ideas like, oh, let's 
be this way or this would be a helpful way or a gracious way or a peaceful way to be as a parent, but then we don't. We're like, well, what does that really look like? So there's so many examples in here. So I think you would all really enjoy reading it. I'm also going to send you a link to a podcast where Tina Payne Bryson was interviewed um, on a parenting podcast. And I was just listening to a little bit of it this morning. My cousin who's in this group, she's not here today, but she recommended it to me and talks a lot about toddlers and younger kids. So I'll be, we'll be sending out these links um, in the notes so you guys can, can look those up. Um, but Dan and Tina talk about how um, research shows that fear-induced behavioral change, um, as I was kind of saying, doesn't develop those self-regulatory skills. It gets you what you want in the moment as a parent, but really doesn't do much for them as far as their growth and development and be able to, being able to mature. And parents who turn to punishment, they often see the behavior of the child, but they're not really see what's going on in the mind. And so this, all of this has a lot to do with the mind. And so what I mean by the mind is the mind and the brain are different, right? So the mind is where all of our, this is how he would say, we we would incorporate some other things spiritually, but um, where your emotions are, your thought processes, those kind of things. And so your mind really affects the nature of your brain. But if we're just seeing the behavior and we say, okay, I had this idea of how my child should act. They're not acting that way. And so that behavior deserves this kind of consequence or punishment. We're not really giving an opportunity to say, what's going on in there? What are the thoughts that are driving this behavior? What are the feelings? What are the situation going on around? So that's what we really want to think a lot about today. So we're going to talk about a couple of principles, and then we'll go to the handout. We're going to spend actually a lot of time on the handout, because I want to really get into some of the really practical things. I'm hoping you'll leave with some really practical things of, okay, so what can I do? How can I do this? So the first, so the two principles we're going to talk about is connect and redirect. So connecting is um, tuning into the inner experience of your child. So that's kind of the first phase of when something happens that you see as a misbehavior that your first goal is to connect with your child. And you want to bring your child from a place of um, reactivity to whatever it is. So maybe they're throwing a tantrum or maybe they're just saying, I am so mad about this or they're stomping or they're, depending on the, you know, if they're older, they're just you know, vomiting their emotions or something like that. Um, however old they are, really, we want to be able to bring them from place of reactivity to receptivity so that we can even have a conversation, so we can even take the next step. Um, but first, I think we have to be able to do that for ourselves first, right? And that can sometimes be the tricky part because you might have a child that maybe it's they're doing... This, you know, you have this like narrative in your mind, oh, here we go again, here they go again, this is what they always do, they always, you know, every time I go to the store, I say no to this, and they're throwing a tantrum, or, and then, you know, so that kind of, we have our reactivity going on in our brain, and sometimes that impedes us from being able to really navigate things well with our children. So a lot, some of this might, just depending on where we are on that spectrum, um, and part of that personality, some of us might just feel like, I just am a more reactive person. Some of us might feel like, well, naturally, I am just a little more laid back. So just depending on where you're at with that, um, there might just be some things that you will need to figure out that you need to do before you can even engage with your child. So first, we have to figure out how do we come to a place of being receptive to our child so that we can help them be receptive to us. So then the second phase is to redirect. So this is a phase of we're thinking about 
what we want our kids to learn. And if this is all new to you, it might you know, feel a little slower. I think as you get into some situations with your kids, if you're wanting to implement some of this, it, this will come real, you know, you'll be thinking through this really quickly in your mind, even though it's taking us a while to process it right now. Um, maybe you kind of know what, you know what you need to do to get to a place of being receptive, or maybe you're like, I need to figure out how to bring my reactivity down, whether that's taking some deep breaths or running up and down the stairs to interrupt my negative brain cycle or whatever it is that you might figure out that you need to do. Um, But so before we get into this handout, I just want to encourage you that parenting is a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? That um, we're changing and growing all the time. Our kids are changing and growing. How I think about this now is totally different than how I thought about it when my kids were really little. So just be encouraged that if you're thinking, oh, like, I just don't even know what to do, or I'm doing what I was taught to do and haven't thought about any other ideas, wherever you're at, I really believe the Lord will, you know, be with you in this process of um, keeping on where you're going, if that's great, if you're at peace with that, or if there are things you want to change, that um, the Lord will be with you in those moments, too. So, okay, I'm just going to share, just give an example of a story, then we can use this story to kind of work with the handout about some steps here. So let's say we have a four-year-old boy named Sam, and let's just, let's say it's it's our child, so we'll just talk in a we. Um, So our um, child is four, Sam, and you're in the kitchen, and you're like, okay, I'm going to get my kids set up to play in the playroom, like, next to where I'm going to do some things, so... Sam's in there. Molly is his two-year-old sister, and you're kind of getting set up. Molly's got a little ball that she's happy with. Sam has a train that he's happy with, and you're probably gone a few minutes, and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to have a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes at least to get a few things done, and they're going to play happily. Well, a few minutes later, you hear Molly wailing, so you know something's happened. So you go in, and it's it's pretty evident to you that just by what's laying by Molly, that Sam, Sam's train is now laying right by Molly, and um, she's screaming, and eventually in the conversation you find out that Sam was mad, and he threw his train at Molly. Um, so we're kind of going going to go into how we're going to talk about this. So before I say how I might lead a conversation like this, we're going to talk about some of these principles. So look at your handout. So we have this, um, so this is a connect and redirect refrigerator sheet that you can get from uh, Dan Siegel's website. So this is, these are all principles from the No Drama Discipline book. So first what we want to do is connect, as we've been saying, and so just to quickly go over this why part of it, the short-term benefit is that we want to move a child from reactivity to receptivity, it's kind of what we've been talking about. The long-term benefit is this, it's going to continue to build their brain, and of course the relational benefit is that it deepens your relationship with the child, which is really the part we want to focus on, is keeping that open relationship with our kids. When we give a punishment or a consequence that's too harsh, it can create a wedge in our relationship, and then our child really isn't wanting to respond to us, or they're, they're confused. If they're, we want to develop a secure attachment and continue that secure attachment with our kids. So if we're the person who's being harsh and punishing them, then that sends a message to our kids. This isn't a safe person, but then sometimes you're a safe person. And so in their brain, there's just all this confusion of, 
are you really a safe person or not? So we want to do everything we can to communicate that, that you as a parent are a safe person and that this child can feel like I can stay securely attached to you because I can trust you. And that's what we want to do long term. So some of the connection principles here, and I, I kind of mentioned this first one that it's called turn down the shark music. And so, and we were thinking about this story with Sam. This is kind of, as we're kind of right before we're talking to Sam, we'd want to think about these things. So what this means is letting go of the background noise caused by past experiences and future fears. So I kind of referenced it earlier, but the, it's kind of the narrative or the story that you tell. So maybe with Sam, it's like, oh, here he goes again. He's always throwing things at Molly, like poor Molly. She's always suffering because, you know, at his frustration and his anger. If he could just get it together, we wouldn't, you know, whatever kind of narrative or script you have about your child. And this has definitely been one that I've really, really had to work on because if your kids are anything like mine, they, you know, they tend, like we all do, don't we tend to the same sort of things, that whatever negative things, we tend to do those same kind of things and we repeat them. And so what we want to really try to do is to not bring that negative script in to this specific situation with Sam and say, okay, I'm not going to take everything he's ever done and put it on this situation because then that's causing me to be reactive. And I'm going to try to be open and I want to be able to, if I'm going to be able to connect with him, I can't bring this negative narrative in and say, oh, he's just like this and not even giving him a chance to share, right? So we want to focus on the current situation, not everything that we know of our child that's been negative up to this point. And next, we want to chase the why. So here, we're thinking about all this as we're about to go into figuring out how we're going to navigate this situation with Sam. And I would say out of, for me, at least out of the connection principles, this is the one I'm probably asking the most, okay, is before I go into what I want to do and how I want to address this is, why is this happening? And... In No Drama Discipline, um, Dan and Tina have an acronym. And I, I think I've heard this in other places too, but it's the HALT acronym. So you're asking these questions about your child. You're asking, is my child hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And I don't, that's not on here. So if you do want to write that down, you can add that to the chase the why. And I actually think this is true for our kids all the way up, you know, through teenagers. It's not like it, it's not just for toddlers. It's okay. What you know, these kind of you know emotions or reactions or fighting, all those things take place from toddlers all the way up through teenagers. Or we probably see it about ourselves, right? <laughs> Don't we notice it about ourselves when we're? It really never changes, does it? And and. Do tantrums really ever change? I mean, don't we as adults have our own tantrums? No one often sees them, but internally we might have tantrums or we, you know, never really goes away. So really all these principles we can apply to ourselves too. Um, so, but let's think back to, think about Sam. So let's say for Sam that, so this is like the middle of the day. Well, last night as his parents, we were out really late, so we got him to bed late. So I'm thinking, okay, Sam didn't really get a lot of sleep last night, and he's to that age where he's about to give up his nap, but hasn't given it up. And you know, that back and forth, those back and forth seasons with naps, right? Where you're thinking, oh, should I have him give it up or not? If I don't have him give up that nap, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> but if I give him a nap, they won't go to bed till 10 p.m. You know, that kind of a phase. Um, so we're dealing with a lot of tiredness. And then 
let's say as his mom, the past three days, I've been super busy with other things. I haven't really had the time and attention to give to him. So I'm walking into this aware that he's probably really wanting to connect with me. Maybe he's feeling a little lonely. He's definitely tired. So just kind of having that awareness and seeing him that these things are probably affecting this. Now, it's not to say that I'm going to, it's not a means of excusing the behavior or not talking about what, what, what would be better a situation or what would, how that would best be. It's not excusing the behavior, but it's validating um, where it's a piece of validating where he's at before he even shares with me. So next, think about the how. So what you say is important, but just as important, if not more important, is how you say it. And this is probably true in all of life, right? But how we, our kids, especially when they're young, they might not be able to repeat what we're saying to them. But if we're, um, the, but if we're intense, they're definitely going to perceive that, right? If we're kind of coming at them harshly or they're just immediately going to have that sense of, oh, mom is mad at me or um, this is not good. And so we just really want to think about how, whatever we say, how we say it is in a gentle way that, because we want them to receive from us. If we're intense, all they're going to hear is blah, 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 blah. Like they're not going to hear anything if they're not in a receptive stance. Okay. So next going on to the connection cycle, help your child feel, feel felt. I think this was, this has been really helpful to me and even just kind of going over it in this recent week. And I'm still thinking, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about this with my younger kids and thinking about it, especially with my teenagers, that I really want to help them to feel felt. And this is another way of really trying to see them, thinking about what their personality is like, um, how are they interpreting things, especially if you have kids that are really different than you. If they're like you, you're like, I get you. I know how this works. This is easy to connect with you. But you might have a child that you're thinking, I am so, our brains are so different. We're totally opposite personalities. I'm going to have to work harder to really try to get in your brain and really try to feel what you're feeling and empathize with you. So it's really about empathy, stepping into their shoes and kind of seeing it how they would see it. So one of the ways to do this, and this has been practically one of the most helpful things for me, excuse me, um, is to get below their eye level. I think when my, I learned about this when my kids, my first two were really little, and this was so, so helpful, um, but kind of just about your physical posture. So say, you know, we have Sam here who's four, and he's, you know, about this tall. If I'm leaning over him and pointing my finger like this, or my, I, my face is scornful, or my voice is getting really loud, and Sam, how could you have done that? How could you have hurt your sister like that and threw that at him? You know, he's going to kind of immediately start, whether he does it physically or not, inside, probably he's going to become, if he wasn't already in fight or flight mode, he definitely will be now. So just, so if Sam's in front of me, I'm getting down like this and looking up at him. And so he's sort of feeling that just puts him at ease right away. If I am kind of below him and looking up at him and maybe some of the next steps are like doing something to show that you're willing to be in this with him and to comfort him. So to put your hand on his shoulder, just whatever you know that your child would respond to. So maybe that's putting hand on his shoulder, wrapping your arm around them. If they're not as touchy, you're just having good eye contact, you're looking at them. So as he starts sharing, he knows you're with me in this. 
And he probably already knows that you didn't want him to throw that toy. I mean, there's usually, a, I think we underestimate how quickly our kids just know themselves when they've done wrong. Or obviously, if this has happened before, they know that this wasn't a good choice. They know that you probably don't think it's a good choice. So we're not validating the behavior, but we're validating um, him and saying, I'm, okay, tell me what happened. So then Sam might say, well, I was playing with my train, but then I saw, I saw Molly had that ball, and I really wanted that ball. So I went up and asked her, Molly, can I have that ball? And she's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, like, nope, not going to do it, you know? And he's like, Molly, please, can I have that ball, please? And she's like, mm-mm, nope. And she's, she's not going to do it. And so he's like, and then I threw the train at her. And, you know, he's got this face of, like, I know I shouldn't have done that. Um, He's like, but I was, I was really, really mad. Um, so then, so pausing the story, going back to our connection strategies. Um, when our child's emotions are exploding, we don't want to try to explain or lecture or talk them out of their feelings. We want to listen and look for meaning and emotions they're communicating. So by my posture, by what I'm saying or not saying, I want to communicate. It's okay for you to have negative emotion. It's okay for you to share those emotions with me. And I think this is likely very different maybe than the way a lot of us grew up. This is a little bit of a, you know some newer ideas that have come from brain research that shows the health of being able to release our emotions. And there's probably a lot of us as adults that have learned that. I know I've learned that as an adult that I've tended to be someone who um, wants to be positive and wants to be like, yeah, it's going to be great and it's going to be okay. And that's kind of my natural way of being. But even allowing myself to be able to say when things are not going well, be able to release that. And there's so much brain research to show that for us as adults and kids that that, that release of those emotions, that being able to say it, being able to express it in some way, and maybe for some kids that's punching a pillow or maybe that's crying or maybe that's um, at you listening to you just say, I am so mad. And but maybe you have a child who hasn't, doesn't do this readily, you might have to encourage it, or um, they're just learning how to express it. So they, like Sam, one type of Sam might be able to say, I'm so mad, I'm angry, I'm so frustrated, and they might really be able to tell you all those things, and there might be another personality of four-year-old Sam that really struggles. You might need to help him and say, okay, so... um, are you, are you feeling sad about something? No. Or are you, are you feeling angry because you were blocked and you really wanted that ball and you couldn't get it? He's like, yes, that's it. So you might have to throw some things out to help him get to that. And I think anger often comes from us feeling blocked by something, right? Like we, I can think of something yesterday where I was, had this vision in mind of something that was going to happen and it didn't happen. I immediately felt this like, ugh, this irritation of like, I'm being blocked from what I wanted or what I thought was going to happen. And that happens with our kids a lot, right? There's lots of things that they want that they can't get or have. And so they feel frustrated by that. But it sometimes takes work for us to help them figure out how to express it. But when they can express it, when they feel safe with us, they, it, is, it is part of being able to release that emotion for them. So the next step is reflect what you hear. So Sam's just told me I'm so mad, I'm so frustrated. Um, so once I've heard heard kind of all of his feelings, I've heard his story. So I've heard his story, I've heard his feelings. Then it's helpful for me to say back to Sam in some way, you know, kind of 
what I think I hear so that he makes sure that I understand, that I make sure that he understands. Um, I make sure I'm understanding what he's saying. So I could say, okay, Sam, so what I'm hearing from you is you were playing, you realized you wanted that ball that Molly had and you tried to get it from her and you, you thought you were asking her nicely, but she wasn't responding to you and you got really mad and you threw the train at her and now you're telling me you're just really mad about this. And he might say, yep, that's right. Or he might say, no, actually, you know, it gives him a chance to say, yes, you, you are hearing me, you are understanding me. Um, or it gives him a chance to say, no, that's not right. And depending on his development, you might have to work harder to understand, or maybe he can clearly explain what you're missing, but it just helps you, him feel understood from you. Okay, now let's go to second page. So this, so we've done all of this so far with our body language, with our words, with um, kind of trying to look, have eye contact, physical touch to sort of help him to feel, to feel heard. So then we want to go into this redirection phase. So the first part kind of talks about what we've been talking about, about defining discipline. So what I want to hone in on is point two and three of this redirect phase. So what lesson do I want to teach and how can I best teach it? So I'm, as I'm kind of listening to here, hopefully we'll have like a quick minute to like get some thoughts in here of what I want to teach. And sometimes you may not know that in the moment. I mean, there's so many times I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about this? I got to do something. Ah, like, you know, so sometimes I, you just aren't going to be on it enough to figure that out in the moment. You might be able to listen and connect. You might have to come back to figuring out how you really want to move from there. Um, but in this story with Sam, I think the things that come to mind would be I want to him to continually hear from me and receive from me that I want him to be able to share not only positive emotion, but negative emotion. So I want to continually be teaching that. And this scenario would be a way, This I would want to respond in a way that would help him to continue to, to believe that for me, to feel that for me. And then secondly, I want to teach him how to deal with his anger. Um, and so depending again on his development, that would depend on, you know, what's possible here. So maybe a, a really mature four-year-old, and we're going to get to this in a little bit about talking about, um, where is it on the, one of the points in redirection strategies on the lower part is about figuring out um, a strategy with your child. So maybe you're, you could ask your child, just into, if they're older for sure, like, what do you, do you have any ideas of, you know, we're, you and I are both aware of the, kind of where you're at with struggling with figuring out what to do with anger. Do you have any ideas about, you know, that? And four-year-old may not. Maybe they, um, may, maybe a, a really mature four-year-old would, or an older child would have the ability to say, I'm going to come and ask you for help. And if that's something that you might typically say, then maybe they would come to that. But one, if they don't, one idea would be, what if when you start to feel that, wherever, and you can even talk about if they're aware enough to say where it's coming from, like where, when you get angry, where are you feeling that? Are you feeling this knots in your stomach? Are you feeling something in your chest? Does your, does your head start hurting? Or, you know, maybe the kind of even helping them identify what does anger feel like? which is a little bit of an aside, but I think it could be helpful if they're just, maybe it might take them a little bit to realize what, like, oh, I'm catching it now. I'm feeling angry. It's bubbling up. Um, but if they start, if they can catch it, and this takes, this might take 20 times before they could like actually change it. Like we talked about earlier, it's ongoing. You keep telling them the same thing and, you know, eventually they'll, 
something will click and they'll choose it. But maybe it's, okay, the next time you feel this, if you get frustrated with Molly, come and talk to me right away and ask me to help you. Um, Or maybe you could say something like, how about you just try to take yourself out of the room? You know that you just need a break. You're starting to feel mad. You could just walk outside of the room or you could run up and down the stairs three times. Um, Because one of the other things we know from brain research, and this is true for kids and adults, is that when we get anxious or we get angry, if we can disrupt that brain cycle, then that can really help to bring down our emotions. So if, you know, know, or maybe it's if our kids are feeling anxious, we say, okay, let's let's run up and down the stairs five times. It won't make it totally go away, but it, it disrupts that anxiety brain spinning and will kind of be able to bring us down a level to maybe be able to think a little bit clearly. So, you know, you could throw out some ideas and maybe your four-year-old's like, oh yeah, I want to do that. I want to, I want to run up and down the stairs. You know, something that kind of seems fun that will just take them out of that angry mode. So those are a couple ideas. Um, Okay, let's jump to... um, under the three mindset outcomes. And when you see mindset on here, all that really means is that you're wanting to help your child become insightful, understand themselves, and and be able to understand others. Um, Okay, so let's go to the repair. So something I'm asking my kids a lot, and in this situation we could say to Sam, how can we make this right? How can we make this right? Um, And... Say Sam is like, well, I, I want to apologize to Molly. I realize that that was hurtful to her. And maybe he's ready to do it right then. Uh, or maybe he needs a little bit of time. We've decided in our house that we're not going to force our children to apologize because I really want them to learn and think through if they want to do that. I, just, I don't want them to just do it by rote so that there's no meaning behind it. But I want, if they say, I'll say, well, do you want to... Are, do you feel like a part of making it right is apologizing? And maybe they'll say, often, I'm not ready to do that right now. Like, the anger is still not settled. So the tricky part for me as a mom is then if they want to wait. Sometimes, just depends personalities. I have those that are just more resistant to apologizing. Like, nope, not going to do it right now. And then I have others that are, like, like immediately, like, or they'll just on their own be like, I'm so sorry. Like, they're just very quick to apologize. Um, but the ones who are more resistant, what the tricky part is coming back, especially if they're little, like reminding them and not letting it go. I think sometimes I will forget about it. So I have to really be intentional about circling back and, and trying to remember um, not just letting it go, but coming circling back and helping them to, to do that. Um, but I really want them to be able to process through it if they need more time um, and to you know, have that introspective process. And I might need to talk with them through that, but I'm, you know, I always hope that they'll come to the place where they're ready and wanting to do that, if not right away. Um, there will be other things you could do here under this. Uh, what can we do to make this right? Uh, maybe it's um, you know, one child. Maybe let's just take our story. Uh, Sam would say, well, I think maybe Molly would really like it if I... Um, went and played with her right now, or I gave her one of my toys, or, you know, they might think of something like that that they could do to show, so that we basically are trying to repair and restore the relationship, so maybe um, Sam could do something to show Molly, like, you know, I'm really sorry, I, I do care about you, I want to, how can I repair this basically in their four-year-old way of repairing, so there's so many ways that 
that we could come alongside them to encourage them to to restore the relationship to where back to where it was or to a better place. Okay, let's quickly go through. There's so much we could talk about here. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through these redirection strategies and just give you kind of a couple lines about these. And probably the whole um, last third of No Drama Discipline goes through all these in detail. So if any of this sounds interesting, you could, you know, read the last, well, I mean, the whole book is great, but I think these are super practical. And if you want to kind of flesh these out a bit more, this is a really great section of the book. Um, So these are just kind of things general ideas and principles we could use in any sort of a discipline situation. So the first one is reduce words. Don't over talk. So I kind of mentioned this earlier, like it's kind of the, you know, maybe really we're, when we're looking to connect and even in the redirect of teaching phase, we really don't want to say too much. We'd really rather them do more of the talking. We give a little input, but like I said, they're very quick as a toddler or a teen to be like, blah, blah, blah. Mom's just going on and on and on and lecturing and they're not hearing anything you're saying anyway. So there's really no point, right? Um, But one of the little stories that um, Dan gave in the book, which is just like four lines of a, say, a child, a small child hits another small child. He said, you could say something like, oh, you're feeling frustrated. It's really hard to not get what you want. Hitting hurts. Please be gentle with your sister. And then kind of be redirect to let, okay, now we're going to go outside. So it almost seems like, what, really? Like, you're hardly saying anything. How are they really going to learn? Or how are they going to get the point? But I think it just comes back to that we really underestimate how much that they really, you know, how we underestimate their desire to often want to do what's right and our incessant talking and lecturing actually almost leads them away from wanting to actually make the right decision. Okay, the next one is embracing emotions, which we've talked quite a bit about. Um, Just basically saying you can feel what you feel. It's okay to feel this way. Um, You can't always do what you want with that. So in all of this, I don't want you to hear that this is permissive at all. This isn't a, you can do, let's just talk about your feelings, and here's a good idea of what to do, but whatever. Like, it's it's very much a training. This is a training method, but we just want to emphasize hearing them and directing them to the place where we want them to go or get to eventually. The next one is describe, don't preach. So an example of this would be, uh, say one of your kids is saying some pretty mean words to the other child. Instead of saying, stop talking to your brother like that, you could say something like, those are some pretty mean words you're using with your brother. So making more observations and describing things rather than always correcting. And this has been, this is a tough one. I don't know about, this is a, I mean, I think I would have tended to and still struggle to even if I'm not intense, even just like kind of calling it as it is rather than, or whether that's, hey, go pick up your shoes rather than, oh, hey, I see your stuff's out. Like kind of giving them a little bit of a lead, but letting them sort of take the initiative and the thought to try to do, make the right decision rather than us always kind of scolding or nagging on them or things like that. So I'm definitely working on this one. The next one is involve your child in the discipline. We talked a little bit about that. Um, What could you do next time in this situation? So just getting ideas from them about what what they think they could do next time or how, what do you think would help you? Or sometimes I've even said, so 
my older girls are now like, mom, are you really going to let Jane get away with that? Like they're really wanting to be involved in the parenting, you know? And, and actually, I actually have thought about this summer, like having them read this book and cause sometimes they're like, don't always agree with my philosophies and want to get involved. And um, like thinking, I'm like, no, like I have a reason for what I'm doing. I'm not just letting her get away with it, but I probably didn't do this with you. <laughs> so, um, okay. The next one is reframing a no into a yes with conditions. So an example of this would be, say you're at, you take your kids to the grandparents' house and your child doesn't want to leave. Like, no, I really want to stay here with Nana. Um, so instead of saying, no, we're, no, we're leaving, get in the car, we can't stay, kind of just repeating the no, 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 saying, uh, we need to leave now, but how about next weekend? So like sort of reframing the no to, like giving them a yes in some sort of a way. So it's not saying um, just only leaving them with a no, but leaving them with some kind of a, a hope or, you know, a chance of something different. Um, and I think sometimes this can seem like, oh, am I just letting my child direct everything or get away with it or letting them be in charge? But I think what that sort of maybe you could see it as a compromise, what this helps our kids to do is to learn that they have agency in a situation. And by agency, I mean that they, like that their opinions matter, that they, that their opinions will have an impact, that they are learning to have a voice and that to make, not fully make a decision, but that their opinions can possibly lead to a decision or a different decision. And a lot of research shows that for kids who don't aren't allowed that growing up or at home, that they have a really difficult time making decisions as adults. If they were always told what to do or nothing they ever said impacted the parent, um, that they kind of become paralyzed as adults because they were never allowed have never had that chance to process that. Um, now that being said, there will be times when like sometimes you just can't think of any way to reframe it, and it's like sorry, the answer is no, and you know. I was, it's kind of funny. I feel like every time I'm giving one of these kind of talks, I, like the night before I have some kind of a situation. So I was like, I'm going to, I got to practice last night in a kind of a dramatic situation. But my seven-year-old, we were getting home kind of late at night. I'd picked my older girls up from a class and she was very upset about going to her class today and just was like crying and crying and crying. And I'm sitting there thinking, um, Oh, I really just want to tell you right now, will you just stop crying? I'm so tired. I don't want to deal with like this is what's going on in my mind, but I'm trying to sit there being a receptive parent, like doing the, you know, this and trying to try to do all the things. Um, but it was going on and on, and um, I was trying to be very patient and trying to so she was using her agency for sure with like, okay, well. How I know I can go, how about I can go to Nana's or I can come here or I can do this. So she was coming up with every reason as she often does with of why this is not the greatest decision of what I think needs to happen for today. <clears throat> so I listened to her and I said, yeah, I understand why you're saying that. And was trying to, trying to understand where all her really big feelings <laughs> were coming from, um, and I, I actually initially was thinking, none of this will work. And then as I was trying to listen, I thought, you know, maybe one of these situations would be a possibility. So I went to the links to kind of explore that. It ended up not working out, but it was interesting because even me being willing to sort of explore an option that in the end I would have been okay with didn't work out, but it 
really lessened the intensity of her emotion just by me being willing to say, okay, like I can, you know, that's, I can consider this idea. I see your point in that. I see your logic in, in bringing up this option. Um, and she was pretty young when she was started to do this. So, um, so it took her emotions took way longer than I hoped or would have liked to, to calm down. It took quite a long time. And, um, but we finally got to the place of her being able to calm down and said, you know, how about trying to give her some ways? I said, how about you take a shower? I think sometimes when I take a shower, you know, it just kind of relaxes me. And she's like pretty skeptical of that. And then she came out and she said, mom, that really worked. I feel a lot better now. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, once in a while, I have a decent idea. So, <laughs> um, okay. So the next one is creatively approaching the situation. And this one, he talks a lot about humor, which I'm not super. Sarah would be really great at this, I bet. Just like being super playful or telling it like a, a kind of as a redirecting response. So an example that they gave was say, I, I just, there's lots of getting in car seats kind of stories, right? Or getting in the car, right? I'm sure we all have those kind of stories of, oh, but someday I promise you, like it will get easier. And now all my kids just get in the car sometimes before me now. And they're like, mom, come on, you're going to make us late. So it will happen eventually. But, um, you know, we could say, let's, you know, you need to get in the car right now or we're going to be late um, in a pretty intense voice. Or we could use humor and say something like, I don't know if you want to get in the car right now. My imaginary friend, Jenny, she's in your seat. And if you got in there, you'd probably squash her and sit on her or something like that. So these, it, this is a stretch for me. But <laughs> for those of you who are more like just always super funny and playful with your kids, this is a good, a good technique, but so I need to work on this one. Okay, last one, teach mindset tools. We kind of mentioned that earlier, insight about themselves and empathy for others. Um, in this part, we're kind of thinking about, this, this is something you can, we can bring back to the connecting phase, really, is the empathy part, and then kind of just thinking about what's going on in their brain. I think when Melissa was here, she, did, she gave us that example in December of the of the brain and how it functions. And do you guys remember that with the hand? And so you've got um, the thinking part of the brain up here. You've got kind of the more emotional part of the brain here. And if we're kind of in a secure place, you know, we're going to be kind of like this. Then there's this, the idea of flipping the lid. So when something happened, you know, Sam, when he got really mad, he, you know, his the lid flipped on his brain, all that kind of thinking went out, he's in fight or flight mode, and he's just kind of functioning from down here. And so sometimes even, I think some kids really, if they like kind of a visual, they could, you could teach a pretty young child about this concept and show them like, oh, this is what happens, you know, when you get really upset. And so we want to try to, we want to bring that cap back down. We want to bring, we want to cover your emotions, and we want to make you feel secure. We want you to be able to think again and talk to me and for some kids, just, just showing them that example kind of helps them wrap their mind around what's going on if you feel like they might be able to kind of have a concept of what's happening here. So, so as a final encouragement, um, wherever you're at with this, I mean, some of you might feel like, oh, I'm... I'm doing great. I've really, I feel like I really connect and I know how to repair. And others of you might feel like, oh, 
oh, this feels like a lot, or I feel maybe a little discouraged, or I just, I really want to do better, that whatever you've done, that there always can be repair. Just be encouraged that you can always repair it. You could, I mean, I'm still doing this all the time. I, you know, I might not always respond well and have, definitely have to go back and apologize frequently and say, I'm so sorry. I, I responded to you in an intense voice. I'm really sorry. Um, please forgive me for that. So we can always go back and repair. When, as good as we get at any of this, we're, all, we're, we're always going to have to do that, right? There's, we're never going to do it perfectly. Um, so that's it. I want to pray for you, for all of you, and then we'll go into, well, actually, we'll do uh, Q&A for just a couple minutes, um, but let me pray for you first. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this wonderful group of women and I know, Lord, that all of these moms in here, wonderful women, Lord, that they are doing the best they can, Lord, that they are loving and serving and sacrificing so much of their time for their kids, Lord. So I just pray that you would continue to encourage them through your Holy Spirit to show up for their kids, Lord, that we know that just showing up and being present is one of the things that will stick with our kids, Lord. And even if we don't always do it perfect, that if we're still in the game, if we're willing to be there with them, to figure things out, to listen to them, um, that you're in this with us, Lord. And so I pray that for each woman here, that you would just lead them and guide them after this conversation today, that you would help them to know what things that they can take from today or what areas would be most helpful for them, Lord, and encourage them, Lord. Encourage them in the ways and the things that they're doing so well, Lord. All these moms are doing so many things well, Lord, so help them to daily remember all that they're giving to their kids, Lord, that is of you. And we just pray that we would learn and continue to parent as you would, Lord. Lead us and direct us today in your name. Amen. Okay, um, let's see. Is the other microphone? Oh, Janelle, you have it. Great, thanks. So let's take a few questions. You guys might have some interesting questions about all this. Do you have any recommendations or thoughts on how as husband and wife team, maybe coming mm -hmm. from very different upbringings, yeah. um, to not be like, it's my way's better because I've seen, you know, I, I'm home with the kids more. Yeah. I've seen success with this and not teaching him, not being like, ooh, you, that's not the way that you need to do it, but right. encouraging and helping. Hey, I've seen really great success with this, but not sounding teachy. Yeah. yeah. Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I know that is a really, really good question. I think actually what you just said is a great answer. Uh, so did you guys, could you hear Krista's question? Okay. Um, and that is, yeah, like not maybe, so she's saying if, if both of you are not exactly on the same page, which I think that's probably, you know, it's hard to always be on exactly the same page. I think for Glenn and I, we've come from some different ideas of how we think this should work for sure. Um, but rather like what, just what you said, Krista, rather than correcting or saying, I think that was really a bad idea what you just did, or, you know, maybe in front of the kids or something, but, um, asking if your spouse is willing to have these conversations. Um, maybe, I mean, I would think even something like this, like, hey, you know, I went to mom's group today and would you be willing to just look at this sheet here? Maybe we, you could read it. We could have a discussion about it. This, I thought this was really helpful and a good idea, or this is kind of the way that I'm, the direction I'm wanting to go in parenting. Would you be willing to talk with me through some of this? Just kind of addressing it that way rather than a, 
corrective or you're doing it wrong or, you know, that kind of a thing. But just can we engage in conversation about trying to come together? And I think for Glenn and I, we've, I mean, we've done this over and over again. We're always kind of, you know, reevaluating and coming back or we'll think, you know, we're kind of getting, we're, we're starting to kind of go in a direction that, you know, we're not wanting to go or one of us might see in the other. I think, you know, however we can find a way to nicely say like, maybe you need to take a break. Like you're noticing that your spouse is kind of getting stressed and intense and you're like, this isn't maybe your normal way or, or maybe it is and you're like, okay, I, I need to help set you up for better success to connect with them if, if they're getting intense or just everything the child's doing is making them mad. So, but I think your idea was great. Yeah, this question goes back to something you and Sarah talked about last semester in the yeah. Q&A. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about having like a time in instead of a time out. So what I'm trying to wrap my head around is I feel like my kids will often misbehave because they want my attention and they want, you know, even if it's bad attention, it's still something. So I'm trying to figure out like, doing a time in, how do you, how do you navigate that so that they're not just trying to get your attention so that they get time with mommy and mommy will hold them or whatnot. So I, she's asking about a time in. Um, I mean, I kind of think like the connection phase, if, if you could call that sort of like a time in, like it's, um, if, you know, I think we could yeah, we could definitely, because it's like you're basically taking your child aside, something's happened, you're trying to use these connection and redirection strategies. Um, I think if, one of the things I think about sometimes is that when our kids get, sometimes we can maybe prevent them from getting to that misbehavior point or to that point if we can give them more attention ahead of time. And you know, I know you've got three really little ones, so sometimes that's, you're like, hey, that's not feasible, but maybe for some of us, just depending on the situation, we could actually prevent some of these meltdowns or things from happening if we have the capacity and energy to be more proactive with it. Um, but I think, I guess I think that my hope is that for a lot of kids that they're, they're, that they're really not trying to be that manipulative to do things to get time with us, but maybe if they just feel like, oh, my, my parents are so stretched that this is the only way, then maybe they will do that. But I, I think that unless they're a lot older and really able to come to that manipulative phase, I think they're, they're probably just really wanting your attention, and I think you're recognizing that, right? But if we can kind of prevent that or circumvent that in any way before it gets to that point, then maybe it doesn't feel as much like negative attention. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's a tough one. Sarah. Yeah. I was just going to add that I was concerned about that when I first started doing time ins, but, um, and that like tomato plant thing, but the way that I kind of avoided it being a reward is it wasn't like I was stopping and reading a book or, or watching a show with them or like eating a, a yummy treat or something. They, it, not that like, I don't do that stuff with them, but it's not like for the time in, I like do something, I have them work alongside me. So like help put away their own laundry with me or help me make dinner. I mean, they're helping. Um, so it's like something productive that, that they're doing alongside me. So it's like they're tomato planted to me and I'm still doing like my routine of stuff that I have to do. Um, and they're, that, they're getting that need met without it feeling like a treat. 
So that maybe, maybe that might work. That's good, Sarah. We're just at the table with all the questions. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> so I actually, this was the first thing I was thinking about with like the time in. So I was telling my table this morning, my son, who's two and a half, um, we deal with a lot of um, mess making disciplining um, because there's a lot of throwing off the table. There's a lot of throwing um, and so, you know, for example, this morning he was eating grapes at the table and then I turn around and I'm not paying attention. And then I turn around and there's like all the grapes probably spit out of his mouth and then stomped on like in a series between like, you know, three feet. And I'm like, turn around and I'm like, no, 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 this is not good. You don't make messes for mommy. And I like take him straight to his crib and close the door. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go clean up this mess. And so how do you like... Tell me a better way to do that. Is that like, is that what I need to do? Like, how do you do a time in when they're two and a half? Is it, okay, let's clean this up together? Like, does that work developmentally at this age? Or is it just, give me a minute, I'm (laughs) going to lose it. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good question. And this is, yeah, the twos are a really hard phase when you feel like trying to have that conversation and getting anything productive out of it is very, very challenging. Um, I think first, to, so it seems like you're kind of saying you're feeling really frustrated right away, so you're trying to figure out how do I kind of deal with what's going on in here first. So I think addressing that first. So what maybe it is like, okay, I just need to set him aside for a minute so that I can get calm enough to be able to talk with him or get him to help me, you know, whatever. I think if you need to put him in his crib for a moment to do that, then that that works. But I think... Somehow involving him, yeah, and making it making it right, and him seeing from you like, okay, mommy's not mad at me about this, but you can tell him, you know, this, you know, let's not do this, but okay, we this is a better way to do it. I'm going to bring you alongside, and, and I think it you you would have to just discern if that if he can really do that or not. Like, if can he pick up his like if you give him an instruction to pick up, can he do that? Can he pick up stuff, put stuff away? Okay. So then it seems like with your help and assistance, he could do it. And then he's a part of making the situation right. So is that helpful a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I mean, a huge part is like our natural response is to be stop or no. Or, you know, like I'm still struggling. Like I just want to stop what's happening, you know, instead of calming down and going to the side and, you know, like having a conversation. But I would say about... I think with, I can remember back to my youngest being about three, and even at three, like I remember, you know, kind of pulling her aside, sitting on the steps and talking it through, and I would really see a lot of change and her direction going a different way, like even at three with her really getting like what I was saying, and I've just seen a lot more fruit, like it does work, it's not just a nice idea, like it really, when they really get it, um, even if it takes a while of of talking about it, I've seen a lot of change of her. Um, I'm just, my youngest experiences are the freshest in my mind, but of her like stopping and catching herself like, oh, and she'll say, oh, remember when we, I remember when we talked about this and how, and you said that you want to, you know, like, or this is, you know, made you feel whatever. And so, okay, well, I want to give you guys time to talk. Um, We've got about 25 minutes and I will, Come up a few minutes, Sarah. I will come up a few minutes early to let you know when it's time to get your kids. And we'll just remind you to kind of leave everything as nice as we can for the next group. So thanks.